Theater near you. My name is Chris Randazzo, and I'm joined this evening, as always, by Mount Rose's oldest living Lutheran, Paul Drew. I've been dead for years, and no one will take the sign down. <laughs> and barfing beauty queen, Sean Doyle. <laughs> Hello. We reached the letter D in our rotation, and we landed on the 1999 cult movie Drop Dead Gorgeous. Has it stood the, te- the test of time? Let's find out. Uh, but before we do, how's everyone doing this evening? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you guys are telling me you watch Drop Dead Gorgeous? What what movie you think I'm going to say I watched? <laughs> I don't know why this is so funny. What, what, what movie, Chris? Time. What movie? You Drop first. Dead what Fred. movie, Chris? Drop Dead Fred. Chris guess. thinks I watched Drop Dead Fred. What about you, Sean? What do you think I watched? I assume we all watch Drop Dead Fred at least once a month, but I think Paul is going to say that he watched Drop Dead Gorgeous, the 2010 movie that's like a slasher flick. I thought one of you would think I watched the other Drop Dead Gorgeous. I thought one of you would think I watched Drop Dead Fred. Maybe somebody thought I watched the TV show Drop Dead Diva. <laughs> I went different than all of you. I watched Operation Dumbo Drop. <laughs> Completely different movie. Has the word drop in it. <laughs> Only similarity. <laughs> it's got Dennis Leary in it, right? I watched uh, Dennis, yeah, Dennis Leary, Leary and the guy from Cool Runnings. Doesn't it also elephant out of a plane? Doesn't it also? Does it have Danny Glover? I think it's got Danny Glover. Hmm. And Operation on Operation Dumbo. And drop. at least once a day, <laughs> I ask myself. Drop? At least once a day, I ask myself, "What would Danny Glover do?" And then I do it. Whatever the answer is. Ray Liotta, Danny Glover, Dennis Leary, Dougie Doug. Yeah, Dougie Doug is the guy from Cool Runnings. But it's also got Ray Liotta, which is horrifying, and Danny Glover. Dougie Doug. Was he just in... What else do I know Dougie Doug from? Uh, Eight-Legged Freaks. Oh, that must be it. Not my pick for the letter E, by the way. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what's, what's new with you guys besides, uh, you know, not watching Drop Dead Gorgeous? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh I'm so curious what Sean is going to have to say about this movie. Um you know, he he swung by the other day to pick up the the DVD from me and uh yeah, I uh I I I wanted to be like Sean, you're in for a thrill ride, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it's uh I have your movie. It's in my uh my desk right now. So, next time you're around, I will likely forget to give it to you. <laughs> But it's here. It's ready for you. I don't know. You you want to know you want to you want to know other stuff that's going on with us? Definitely. It's part of why you're here. When we were when we were talking about um what movies to watch for for D, uh we uh we dabbled in picking Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, right? Right. Like, right. That was one of the things that was uh on the list. So um 2 weeks ago or whatever it was, me and my whole family went out to Mahoning Drive-In to watch the the double feature of um, Adventures in Babysitting and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Uh, and 
it was just going to be me and Nate going. And then, you know, I'm watching Sherry like mess around on Amazon and she's looking up like camping mattresses. And I'm like, are you going to come with us? And she's like, I want to come. Like, I love both of those movies, you know, like she just didn't want to, you know, sleep in a tent because uh, she's got fibromyalgia. So she was like, I don't want to sleep on the hard ground. So we found like this awesome camp mattress that like it rolls up real tiny to like the size of a neck pillow and you unroll it and it's got a pump like built inside of it and it like super duper blows up to like a air mattress type size um and then uh on top of that i gave her my my um what do you call it uh a memory foam mattress thing too, right? So like she probably didn't feel the ground at all. It was like the princess in the pea or something. Um but so all three of us went, we're pulling into the place and they're like, you know, hey, come on in, like park in the back. That's where you can set up tents, stuff like that. And then they go, Keith Coogan is in the concession stand if you want to meet him. And my wife's like who who did they say is there? And I was like, I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't pick these movies based on who their special guest is going to be. I just, I like just pick the movies that we want to see. And I was like, I know they've had these special guests before, but I don't understand how it works. Right? Like to me, you have a special guest for a movie. They like introduce the movie. They go up on stage. Like I remember, I saw um, there was this one theater. I saw this movie that Bruce Campbell uh produced and acted in and like he was there and he introduced the movie and then he answered questions afterwards i was like this is a drive-in movie theater so you can't really do that you know so Mm -hmm. i never thought much of this thing where they have the special guests right and so we're setting up our tent and everything like that and she's still thinking about it and she's like oh my gosh was he in both movies right like same dude who was the older brother in adventures and babysitting was the the guy in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, the guy that's like, the dishes are done, done, man. Yeah. Yeah, so we go to the concession stand. Like, we're, you know, people are in line to meet him. And Sherry's like, well, should I get in line? You know, like, she went and checked it out. And she's like, yeah, like, some of the stuff that they're selling to get a, um, you know, to get a, a, a autograph from him is like 30 bucks. And I was like, yeah, but if you don't do this, are you going to regret it for the rest of your life? And she was like, yeah, probably. And so, like, so she gets in line, right? And I'm standing out there with the dog because since we all three went, we had to bring the dog, too. And the dog couldn't go in the concession stand. So I'm standing outside. So she's, like, waiting in line. She's waiting. Then, like, right before it's time for her to get an autograph from him, he like takes a break and he comes outside the concession stand and he's like, Hey man, how you doing? Let me meet your dog. (laughs) So so like I spent like 10 minutes talking to this guy. He's like petting the dog and everything. So since Sherry thought I wasn't going to get to meet him, she bought a dish that he then autographed to me that says the dishes are done, man. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, and then like one of the guys there watched my dog while I went in and we all took a picture that he had in front of the adventures and babysitting poster. And then he like turned it sideways. So it looked like we were all scaling the building. Um, he was like, honestly the nicest dude 
uh, you know, I know that there's probably a lot of people that make their money off these like signings and stuff like that. If they have sort of a cult status, but like this guy kind of knew that like he was the product there and like he knew how to play the game, man. He was the nicest guy. He was like so fun to talk to. So cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was a cool night. Well, that sounds amazing and a lot cooler than anything I did. Yeah, I, I got nothing to follow that up, man. I, I played a board game. Uh, I beat Simpsons the Arcade game with all the extra cards left over from my birthday. Me and Zach went down there. I'd never beaten Simpsons. I didn't realize how close I had come so many times. <laughs> I'd gotten to the ninja level before, and that's the level before the boss. And the boss was just, he was just like, well, I'm going to eat all your quarters. Yeah, that's pretty much how that goes. That, um, that place is like... Honestly, one of the coolest places. Uh, I think I'm kind of making it my thing to try to go there at least once every summer, twice if I can. So if you guys ever want to go see a doubleheader movie and camp out there, like, you know, I'd love to go, not just with Nate, who is like itching to go in the tent after 10 minutes of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds legitimately fantastic. I am. Sign me the heck. Sign me the heck up for that. But one thing that was cool was since we brought the dog, like when he wanted to go in the tent, we were just like, all right, take the dog in the tent and just go to sleep. And so like, it was like the dog watched the kid and like Sherry and I got to sit out and watch both movies, which is like rare for me. You know, like when I saw Goonies and Explorers there, I had to forego the second movie. It was like, I had to, you know, like he was like, all right, I'm in the tent. I'm done. But this was pretty cool because, like, I actually got to watch both movies, and I love both movies. Is this place in uh, Vineland? No, this is this is this is a little bit of a trek. Like, it's out past me, so um, you know you got to go west of Philly and get on uh, four seventy six, and then it's um, you know, and then it's uh, probably an hour and a half from there. It's uh, like the Lehigh Valley area. Yeah. Oh, like the 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 butter or the the salad dressing? What does Lehigh Valley make? Uh, I think you're thinking Hidden. of Lando Lakes, and that's a different thing. Or Hidden Valley. Or Hidden Valley. Hidden, Hidden Valley. Valley, Valley. They make yeah. salad dressing. Yeah. Lehigh. Lehigh, Lehigh Valley. Valley. They make something. They're famous for something. The Lehigh Valley. I don't know. I I really think you're thinking of Hidden Valley. I think you're combining Lando Lakes and Hidden Valley, and this is a different thing. <laughs> Which now just makes me want to melt down a bunch of butter and pour it into my ranch dressing before I use it next time. Yeah, ranch dressing needs to be more buttery. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> the only thing I did that was of any consequence, I mean, I'm sure I did more, and I've already just, just forgotten it because my brain is addled. Um, but at least relevant to this podcast, the, you know, the Spider-Man trailer dropped yesterday. We all watched that. Oh my god, I heard it's like the like highest watched trailer ever in 24 hours or something. Wow, really? Yeah. Huh. Oh, it looks pretty neat. I could possibly made that up, but uh, I don't know. I read something that said something like that. I guess it wouldn't surprise me. You know, people are pretty, uh, pretty jazzed about Spider-Man. I also keep seeing all these memes that like suggest that Scarlett Johansson secretly is the one that leaked it <laughs> because she was angry. <laughs> Well, that would be something. So I didn't watch it, and I don't know that I will. As as much as I love all these movies, I I feel like I get over-trailered, and then I know the whole movie, 
Mm. And I think I've been trying to scale back on it. I love the teasers. I love when they give me, you know, 10 seconds, a couple quick clips so I can see, you know, all right, this is what the guy's going to look like. Mm. And I know the movie's coming and there's a date. But uh, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I watch the trailers and then I go and watch the movie. And I'm like, I already pieced this all together from the trailer. Like, I had the whole plot. Batman and Superman was the worst. I mean, it was, it was a terrible movie. But <laughs> Batman v Superman was, in fact, the, the worst. worst. Yeah. But <laughs> Tra- trailer or no trailer came along. Uh, oh, I hated it way more than Justice League. Justice League in comparison was great. That's not saying anything. <laughs> I, I'm saying that I no Batman v Superman was so bad. But that that's yeah, not what I'm talking about. I'm talking right. about the fact that I remember watching the trailers and being like, I've basically got this whole plot put together except for this weird desert Batman scene. And I was like, maybe they, you know, this, they're going to burn through this in 20 minutes and then there'll be a movie. And then I saw it and I was like, no, you showed me every scene almost in order in the freaking trailer. And the one scene that I didn't understand was the deserty Batman scene, which was like a dream and wasn't really part of the plot anyway. <laughs> it was, wasn't really part so, of the movie anyway. I just, I, that one really, that was one thing. I mean, it was a bad movie anyway, but well, it pissed I mean, me you off know, how did, much did they... You- did you see the whole uh, jar of urine blowing up in the courthouse coming? That was a surprise to me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize Lex Luthor's plan involved so much pee in a jar. <laughs> uh, I didn't know Lex Luthor was going to, you know... I didn't know that they weren't going to explain really how Lex brought Doomsday uh, into existence. They just did like, as good a job explaining it in the trailer as they did in the movie. <laughs> like, that's what I pieced together from the trailer, was what I got from the movie. I was like... He's bringing Doomsday by using Brainiac? Like, I put all that together from the damn trailer. <laughs> I think I remember seeing that and thinking, well, this can't possibly be that stupid. <laughs> I don't oh, remember I any of this, and I'm okay with it. I'm, yeah. like, okay with how much of this movie I have erased from my memory. You are definitely better off. Yeah. We, we're, uh, I, I fear we're going down a rabbit hole by me, uh, by me segueing into this, but you guys opened the door with Batman v Superman. Uh, have you have you both watched Suicide Squad? Oh, I did. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you mean the Suicide Squad or Suicide yes? I mean Squad? the Suicide Squad. Sorry, yes, the yes, Suicide I, Squad. I, I watched the Suicide Squad. I, it was great, right? I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, you know what? Compared, so hmm, I didn't hate the first one as much as most people did. It had a lot of problems. The second one was so bad, it was like it was like watching a direct-to-video film. What was the second one? Uh, Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Oh, right, okay. it was that. Oh, Harley. really? You didn't like Birds of Prey? You liked Birds of Prey? <laughs> no, I did not care for Birds of Prey. I was like, this is just. No, I did not care for it. I uh, yeah, I kind of did. Uh, it was, it before. You know, before I returned to the movie theater to watch uh, the movies, to watch <laughs> F9, uh, I think Birds of Prey was the last movie I saw in a theater before the pandemic. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I Look, I, I know it wasn't going to win any awards, but, like, uh, I think that... I think I got this, like, bug up my ass about Batman properties that don't have Batman in them, right? Like, I've... I, they make me like irrationally angry and uh, some of the stuff I expected to hate. And then I went and saw Birds of Prey and I was like, I was impressed with how how well they put it together when it was like 
told so disjointedly. And then, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fun. <laughs> I don't know. I just... I didn't see either of them. Oh. The first one... The first one felt like if the Marvel Universe didn't exist, everyone would have said this was a great comic book movie. You know, like, think back before Marvel did it right, and, like, we just had terrible movie after terrible movie, and every now and then you'd get a Michael Keaton Batman or something, and you were like, that actually worked! It was great! Uh, I think if the first Suicide Squad existed in a universe without the Marvel Universe, people would have been like, this is great. Um, but seeing how much texture and backstory and character development can be done with a comic book property, uh, I feel like the first one was just... It didn't have enough shine on it. It was like, there was, I don't have anything specifically I hated. I'm, I'm sure I could nitpick it a bit, but it just didn't have that level of polish. The second one, I really didn't care for. I, there was, the girl playing Harley is pretty good, but she's pretty good in all three. She's not the problem. Um, there was just something about it that was like, it wasn't quite corny, but it was too corny to be serious. And I, I think that's like an uncanny valley for me, where like a movie's like, if it's so, you know, if you're if you're owning it, it's great. Uh, or if you've accidentally stumbled that far, it can be great. Uh, and if it's serious, it's great. And like sometimes you end up in this weird, weird area in the middle that I think makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this, you know. Uh, and I think that movie was squarely there. I, in all fairness, I only watched it once and walked away, you know. Uh, it was right after Pandemic. It was on, like, HBO Max or something. I think we rented it. And uh, But this one, I, I enjoyed. It was good. It, again, it, it's a little tough when you hold it up against the Marvel movies because they are so polished and refined. But um, I didn't have any major complaints about it. Um, other than I'm sick that I'm sick of franchises renaming the movies the name of the, the movie that you just made a couple years ago. You can't call it the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Call it Suicide Squad 2. Call it Suicide Squad 3. Call it whatever the hell you want to call it. But don't... Don't just... You're just confusing the situation. They keep doing this. A bunch of franchises are just like, we're just going to call it the first thing again. Or, I hate no. that. Or like... Or call it... Call it the name and then a... Like a... A title qualifier. You know, Suicide like... Suicide Squad. Like squad you've harder. Got Captain right. America Winter Soldier. And sure. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> sure. Something like that. Suicide Squad versus um, Starro. Great title. There we go. The uh, I guess I guess the reason I, uh, I I went down this rabbit hole a little bit is because um, you know the the last time I guess when we did the the Black Widow episode and we were talking about Marvel versus DC and we were talking about how you know DC sort of blew it that they uh, that after Christopher Nolan's Batman movies you know that was when Marvel was you know, gearing up for Avengers and they were, I think they were trying to catapult off the success of those Batman movies and like set the same tone as, as the sort of dark Christopher Nolan stuff. And, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan didn't want to have anything to do with it. And, uh, they wound up, I don't know, like, I guess rushing some of this weird stuff that, uh, that, that, you know, isn't, isn't great when you look at it all together, but, I guess the fact that they have this, I don't know, this, this much different approach to it and this, this like dark tone, you know, where it, they, it can be movies that are rated R and, um, you know, that it's a, a different feeling and stuff like that. Like they've created this scenario where now 
Harley Quinn is like the breakout star of the the DCU instead of Batman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like Margot Robbie is the Robert Downey Jr. to their franchise. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, uh, it was it what what to your point? It just kind of reminded me of not really reminded me. It just kind of made me sad to think like, oh yeah, you can have fun with DC movies, and uh, you know, it, it was because it, because it, that's what it was. It was fun. I didn't think it was quite as good as uh, uh, James Gunn's Guardians movies, but I did you know rather enjoy it. I thought it was a thought it was a hoot. Um. But I was talking to somebody else about this. I don't know that I'm going to go back and watch it again. Like, I rather enjoyed it, but I don't know that I enjoyed it enough to go back and, like, watch it, you know, for repeat viewings. Um, so I don't, I don't know what that means in the, the grand scheme of things. Uh, granted, the, the Marvel stuff, I tend to want to go back and rewatch because it's all connected. And this isn't really connected to anything I give even the slightest crap about, so... That might have a large, large portion to do with it. Yeah, that's a, another thing I guess that they don't have going for them is you know is the the interconnected nature where you feel like you have to remember what happened in the last movie, or even that you want to remember. Like not even necessarily that you have to, just that you want to. Like you know, even the uh, I mean, I granted, I I genuinely enjoy all the MCU movies like quite a lot, and and the TV shows so. <laughs> And I definitely don't do that for the uh, the DC stuff, but even the stuff that I have enjoyed, like I, I thought Shazam was pretty fun too. Um, but it, I'm not really lining up to to rewatch that. Granted, I'll, I'll go see the sequel. Maybe I'll rewatch it before the sequel comes out. But you know, all right. Well, let's get to work on a uh, drop dead gorgeous, shall we? Why not? I can't That's think of here. any good reason. All right, so let's see. Drop Dead Gorgeous was released on July 23rd, 1999, was distributed by New Line Cinema. It was directed and written by Mitra. It was directed by, not written by, I don't think. I fixed my notes there. It was directed by Michael Patrick Jan, who we all know as an alum from MTV's The State, uh, but has also directed episodes of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, The Goldbergs, and Reno 911. The movie stars a lot of recognizable names like Kirsten Dunst, Brittany Murphy, Allison Janney, Denise Richards, Christy Alley, and Amy Adams. That tells the story of a beauty pageant from the perspective of a documentary narrated by none other than Thomas Lennon, also from the state. Uh, I watched this via nefarious means in my living room with my wife. Uh, I thought I had the DVD, and it turned out I didn't. And so I called up uh, my friend Evan and was like, Evan, please put this on Plex. It's not streaming anywhere that I have regular access to and I don't have a DVD. Uh, so he, he got it for me and I ate Yodels. Remember Yodels, the fun little cakes, the, the Swiss rolls? We're going to start this oh, now? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I was very excited about that. Because there's Yodels and then there's Swiss cake rolls. And then what's the other one? Because one of those is from Drake's, one's from Little Debbie. Little Debbie's has Swiss cake rolls. Mm-hmm. Hostess and has Yodels? No, uh, Drake's is now Yodels. Yodels used to be something else, and then Drake's bought what Hostess? used to make Yodels, I think. But Hostess has something else. Is that Ding Dongs? Ding Dong Yo? Might be Ding Dongs. That oh, might be Hostess. Ding Dongs, yeah. Ding Dong Yo. Ding Dong. Yodels are my favorite, and um, my friend Mike, I visited him over the weekend, and uh, he wasn't able to come down for my birthday, so he bought me a box of Yodels for my birthday. And some really bad video games, which I'm very excited about. Um, but that's the, that's a podcast for another podcast. Because I had some yodels, because uh, it was still on the weekend when I'm allowed to have dessert, and then I had a glass of chocolate milk. 
What about you, Sean? <laughs> so, how this went down for me was, uh, I was like, okay, got to watch this movie. Uh, I could probably stream it. I got like all these streaming services. We don't have cable. We just got a bunch of different streaming stuff. Not available anywhere. I was like, all right, I'll sign up for a new streaming service. Who's Who's got it? Paramount? No. This guy? No. That guy? No. Nobody had it. I was like, okay, let me go on the interwebs and see who's got it. No one has it except Voodoo. Who do? You do. No. What the heck Listen, is Voodoo? It doesn't matter right V-U-D-U, now. V-U-D-U, right? V-U-D-U. I've heard of that. So. Well, oh. you see, Chris, it's this sort of island, um, uh, you know, uh, religion that uh, is based on magic and uh, other, you know, mystical elements. That's mm-hmm. how Sean was going to summon the movie. <laughs> so actually, I skipped a step before Voodoo. We'll come back to Voodoo first. It said it was on uh, something I did have. I don't remember what. Maybe uh, I thought I saw that it was on Hulu. I did a quick Google. It might have been Hulu. And if you go there, there's another movie called Drop Dead Gorgeous that came out in like 2010 or 2014 or something. That's like a slasher film. Son of a biscuit. And that is available on two of my streaming services. I think it was Hulu and Amazon Prime, maybe. Um, But that's not the movie you wanted us to watch. I was like, I don't think anybody from the States involved with this movie. This doesn't seem right. Cause I've never seen drop dead gorgeous before, but we quickly ruled that one out. Uh, so then voodoo had it. And when you go to voodoo, uh, there's a picture of Denise Richards. And I'm like, this is the right one right here. It said 91, which is the wrong year, Yeah, that's... but it had Denise Richards and she was wearing the, the hat. And I was like, this is the movie. So I signed up for voodoo. Because that's what I needed to do to watch this movie. And then I clicked on it, and apparently Voodoo does this weird thing where it'll just list everything from all the other services. So that connected me to Netflix. It gave me a link to Netflix. It was like, you can watch this through your Netflix account. So I was like, okay. I don't know why I needed you to tell me this. This seems (laughs) weird. And I clicked on the Netflix link, and it brought me to a 1991 movie, not called Drop Dead Gorgeous, called like, Die Pretty Girl, or something like that. That was, again, not a comedy <laughs> involving anyone from the state. So, finally giving up on this venue of seeing it through the interwebs, I was like, you know what? I have a, I have a video card to the last video store in New Jersey that'll just rent you a movie. And they have a selection that'll kick you right, in the, right square in the junk, right? I mean, they got it all. They'll rent you a Nintendo game a Nintendo game from the 80s. They got it all. So I'm like, all right, it's 20 minutes from my house. I'll drive over there. I'll rent the movie. Jacqueline's like, wait, call and make sure they got it. You know, because this is a random movie from 25 years ago or whatever it is. Just call and make sure. <laughs> I call to find out. The guy's like, oh, he's like, yeah, I know who you are. We don't really rent a lot of movies since the pandemic started. We sold off all our videos. We just buy and sell video games now for the most part, but let me check and see if we still have it. That's a bummer. Just just made my heart sink. He was like, if if we still have it, I'll rent it to you. But he went and looked, and they didn't still have it. Uh, He was like, no, we sold that out as part of our pandemic staying open process. So then there was a lot of crying, and uh, you know, a bottle of whiskey later, I got on the phone with Paul and was like, you have the, you have it on DVD. (laughs) All right, I'm gonna come to your house and take it from you. Then I had to drive all the way to Paul's, grab the movie. Finally, I watched it on my TV in my living room with Jacqueline. And we ate dinner while watching it. She made us, uh, it was a burger, but I don't think there was any meat in it. 
she's just been like hiding the meat and not telling me about it. I don't think there's any meat in this burger. <laughs> she like tries to make up for it with like barbecue sauce and avocado, and she does a pretty good job. She's a great cook. Um, but I'm pretty sure she's just slowly phasing meat out of our diet and trying not to tell me. But anyway, that's what we ate with it. And uh, what did I have? I actually had a soda because uh, driving back from Paul's, I stopped and bought some Coke because I don't normally drink a lot of soda, but I was like, I'm in the mood for a Coke. So, yeah, that nice. was my viewing experience. Wow. I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I'm blown away with, uh, I didn't know all the hoops that you jumped through to try to watch this movie. <laughs> like, I, I kind of thought that you just looked around a little bit and said, oh, well, Paul's got it, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that I was going to, like, save the day being the one that had the, the movie. And I'm also glad that I watched it the night before. Like, I'm glad I, I didn't wait until, you know, until last night to watch it because then... Then we both, I guess then you would have been over here watching the movie. <laughs> I, I would have, that was my backup plan. If you had said, no, I haven't watched it yet, I would have been like, well, guess what? We're watching it together in your man cave tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm so, so the fact that Chris watched it via ne- nefarious means, um, I'm so curious about this. And I'm wondering if there isn't some updated version of it or, if if there's any difference in what you watched as opposed to what Sean and I watched. Um, because I've had this movie on DVD forever, um, uh, which is to say, I guess it wasn't my DVD to start with. It was Sherry's DVD. And then when we, you know, when we got together and pooled our resources, then it became our DVD. Um, mm-hmm. But it's old, man. Like, it's from, like, the beginning of DVDs. Like, Sean can tell you. Yeah. He popped it in and it says you want to watch this in widescreen or not, you know? So, um, <laughs> it's a, you know, we, we've, we've had it for a while. Um, and I, you know, I've definitely watched it a bunch of times, but I have not watched it recently. Um, I mean, it's, it's been so many years since I watched this movie. So I don't know. It was cool. It was like, it was like seeing it for the first time again, honestly. Um, because like there was stuff I remembered about it. You know, I remembered, I, I definitely remembered Kirsten Dunst, um, you know, like practicing the tap routine while she was like walking down the street and while she was in the funeral home and stuff like that. Like, I have a very vivid memory of that sort of set to that like hard edge 90s music, you know, that that mm-hmm. like made it feel really 90s, um, which is another reason I was shocked that it was 1999. Like, I, I literally thought this movie was. 94 or 95 like the way that the the music was and the you know the way that the the uh they dressed and stuff like that um you know although i know that there wasn't anything around about the 90s that pinpointed a certain time i guess uh i always just thought that this movie was was earlier in the 90s um but uh yeah i don't know i was watching some um clips online like i was watching the trailer and stuff and there was some differences in what i saw uh and then i was like i wonder if they they change stuff um you know for like a a more updated thing and that if you know my my dvd is now something that you can't watch anywhere uh which i guess sean proved that (laughs) that you can't watch it anywhere 
Yeah, I don't think it's a... I don't remember this movie at all. Um, I remember a few small things about it, because I watched it once around when it first came out on DVD. Wait, wait, I... I have to I have to say this. I I remembered that it was about a fashion show and I remembered that it was documentary style and uh I remembered that there was like sneaky underhanded stuff about some you know trying to win the fashion show or you know the sorry the beauty not fashion show beauty contest right um but uh I I literally forgot that there was like murder involved like <laughs> Don't tell me how. Don't ask me how I forgot that because it's like right in the title. <laughs> but the when title. <laughs> when they're introducing the contestants and the one girl drives the tractor over the hill and then it explodes, I was like, <laughs> "Holy shit! Is that what this movie's about?" And Sherry was like, "Yeah, did you forget this?" And I was like, "Apparently, I did." <laughs> <clears throat> I the only thing I remembered was that it had something to do with a beauty competition and murder. And the bit at the end where the guy said, fucking beauty queens blowing chunks. Like, that was the only thing I remembered about this movie. Uh, I definitely didn't remember all the people who were in it. Like, Brittany Murphy and Kirsten Dunst. And it was, it was definitely a lot smarter. than like, I feel like I got a lot more out of it now than I did watching it back in 1999. Um, just because I, I guess I know a little bit more about you know, the world at this point. Because, uh, you know, I, I'm not exactly the smartest guy, and, and I was a lot dumber back then, too. So I didn't really pay attention to anything outside of my immediate bubble. Um, so the, the social commentary was mostly lost on me the first time I watched it, and I just thought it was hysterical this time around. So I did think it was a little weird seeing Christy Alley in, uh, or Kirsty Alley, whatever the hell her name is, in this in this role that's kind of lampooning this kind of lifestyle since she's like kind of a diehard Republican. So, I mean, I guess good on her for acting against her own character. Uh, but that was, that was a little weird, but no, I, I, I was, a I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the movie this time around. Uh, this was Amy Adams's first acting credit. Um, so clearly, I had no idea who she was when this first came I out. I was shocked at like she, she looked so young. Like I was, yeah, she uh, looked you know, really I, young. I'd say a couple scenes went by, and then I was like, "Holy crap, is that Amy Adams?" <laughs> yeah, it was. I had kind of a similar thought. I was like, "Oh my god, I think that's Amy Adams." And like, I looked it up, and then I saw the rest of the cast list. It's like, oh, Brittany Murphy, she's dead. That's a shame. She was talented. Um. Oh, I, I I rather enjoyed it overall, and and you know I picked out Tom Lennon's voice as the the documentary guy like pretty much straight away. That was pretty funny. That was this movie's biggest mistake was not putting his face there. Like, right? <laughs> I mean, he's just got a face that you look at it and you laugh. Right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. What did you think of the movie, Sean? I I enjoyed it. Uh, the I had never seen it before. This was all new to me. Uh, it 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 had a, a cast of people that like. I'm not great with actors and actresses, you know, uh, so it kept being Jacqueline would be like, oh, that's, who'd you just say, Amy Adams? And I'd be like, who's Amy Adams? And Jacqueline would be like, she's that girl in that movie where she talks to those aliens that you watch. And I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> um, 
But then all the secondary characters, I'm better with voices. So, like, if I blink, all of a sudden I realize who a person is. So, like, the lady who was teaching them how to dance, at one point, like, I looked away and I heard her voice. And her voice just resonated. And I was like, I know that voice. And it took me a second. I was like, oh, that, that's the lady that plays Dwight's grandmother or Dwight's aunt in that episode of The Office where then she dies and she leaves him the farm. I didn't piece that together at all. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, but, like, most of the people, like, Will Sasso, like, again, and, and his brother in it, uh, like, again, like, the voice resonates in them, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what that guy's from. You know? Yeah, I recognize that guy. I didn't recognize his brother. That was probably the only part of this that really didn't age well, well at, all. at all. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of, lot of R-word humor that was like, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was, and I felt like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's going to be one of the things we're going to be like, that, that's not okay. Uh, And then the other one, the other one brings us into that whole, so the, the, so the, the anorexia, Uh or bulimia, I don't even remember now. It was anorexic, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So... I felt like, I was like, this is one of those red flag situations, and, and I'm not, I, I want to be a more uh, uh, sensitive person or whatever, I don't know, politically correct person, I don't mean to offend people, but I'm, I'm not, so like, I don't know, my radar kind of goes up, and I'm just like, I'm not sure, and I feel like these jokes weren't directed at the expense of the anorexia situation, no, no, they were directed yeah. at the culture that forced this person into that situation, for the most part. Maybe one or two mild, mild exceptions. Most of the jokes I felt like were directed at the, the culture that would put someone in that position. Yeah, but then I was like, right up against that line. Right, and then I was like, but that comes back to the whole like they took down those two episodes of Thirty Rock, and I was like, I was pretty sure those were okay, but they're not apparently, and I'm like, I just don't get it, because like, the episodes of Thirty Rock, I'm assuming you both know what I'm talking about. No. Yeah. Did you watch Thirty Rock? I did. I didn't love it, but Karen did, so I watched it all with her. Which ones? Yeah, there was I, know, two episodes. I know what you're talking about, Sean. One of them, the, they did blackface, so they took it down, but it was the, the dumb character, the blonde, I don't remember her name, Jenna. Uh, she was doing blackface yeah. to prove point, and the whole time, they weren't, she was doing blackface, but it was, they were making fun of people doing black, like they were attacking. Yeah, that was... The, that's that's that character, right? Like, they were right, literally so doing anything for fame. They were just like tr- Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, like, right? And it seemed like the show itself was attacking it. They were pointing out this is not okay. The whole episode was like, you know, Liz, the character who you're supposed to relate to to mm-hmm. some degree, was like, you can't do this. This is unacceptable, you know. And it just felt like I don't think you need to take that down. No. They're saying it's wrong. Well, I think the reason. But then I'm why... like, I don't know. I think the reason why the culture has shifted is because even I think even if it's done with good intentions where um where you know it's it's making light of a situation it's saying this isn't okay it's um it's sort of uh making a joke to make one of these characters look bad you know because they're doing the thing that they that that's not PC or not cool, but it's still white people doing this sort of at the expense of, uh, 
you know, like years and years of what was um, degrading and, and uh, you know, and, and difficult for black people. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like we, we can laugh at it because the, 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 the thing that they're poking fun of doesn't affect us, you know, like somebody that it does affect might kind of look at it and go, well, why do these white people get to do that? Right. So that, that's what I wasn't sure. So I'm again, I'm not the most, uh, you know, politically correct, uh, on point person. So I just wasn't sure if the, the anorexia humor fell into that category or not. Cause I was like, they're, they're making fun of the, the society, the societal problems that are causing it. Yeah, it was um, it was one of those jokes that led, like when it first popped up, I was like, oh man, that's, that is so horrible. But, you know, I didn't think anything of it. But by the end, when she's like doing the dance routine in the wheelchair, I was like, I think this has gone on a little bit too far. But I still, I didn't really feel necessarily too bad about it. But again, I, that could just be that I don't have a real connection to it. I imagine that's the kind of joke that would not be all that funny to somebody who experienced that in real life. So, but not necessarily in its defense, but just, you know, in the interest of explaining it away, just, just like, you know, the guy and his brother, this was, this was acceptable humor at the time. Right. Um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily, yeah, no, go ahead. It, it's hard to know where the line is. Um, because like, some of, I think some of the best jokes that had to deal with that anorexia humor were the stuff that sort of uh, took it lightly and make made it more commonplace. Like I, I laughed a couple times when they would show the the, the picture of the hospital and it said anorexia unit this way, burn unit yeah. this way. Like it was so stupid, but um, you know it it. Uh, I think part of the humor in it was like sort of how, uh, how callous they were about it. Um, unfortunately. Um, but I don't know, going back to the, 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 the first thing that we zeroed in on, which was Will Sasso's part. I mean, so like this, this movie had a great cast. Um, and, and, uh, some of the people, you know, I, I think like at the time they were, uh, you know, they were sort of like smaller actors or independent movie actors, and since then they've, you know, blown up huge. Uh, uh, you know, um, Amy Adams, a great example, but also like Allison Janney. Like, I guess this was right before uh, West Wing. You know, um, oh, right? She's freaking phenomenal. I mean, she's fantastic in everything, but she was one of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah, it it was funny because like Ellen Ellen Barkin um got a like bigger billing, but like Addison Allison Janney was the like meteor part. Um Yeah. But and like I don't even know who that other woman is. I don't recognize her at all. But Ellen, um Ellen Barkin. Will Sasso, you know, like he he he'd been in a lot of things and he's funny and he's talented, you know, obviously mad tv for for years i was Um, gonna say i think mad tv was around that time right but like you know so so the the first time his character was introduced i didn't think anything of it right um because 
like Will Sasso has played characters not totally unlike this before. I'm not going to say he's played characters with a cognitive disability, but I think he's played characters that are slow or simpletons or whatever you want to say, right? And that's that's like kind of what I thought was happening when I first saw the character, right? Like I kind of thought that the humor was that like they were slow-witted big dumb white inbred hillbilly whatever, you know. <laughs> I, I I guess I'm trying to like I guess I'm trying to uh not insult one group of people and probably insulting a bunch of other people. But, um, you know, I, I like, I, like I really kind of thought the inbred brothers. Yeah, exactly. The state, you know, the state did that same thing, the inbred brothers. And like, it, it, it's actually, I think it's actually harder to play a dumb character and do it right. And I think he, you know, I think he's pretty skilled at it. And I, I thought that's what it was that, 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 you know, he was just going to be sort of the backwoods simpleton. And then everybody started dropping those R-bombs. And the first time it happened, again, I didn't really think that hard about it because I felt like it was just sort of like a referendum on this town, like the, you know, the the backwards people of this town, right? That, like, Mm -hmm. they would throw that kind of language around. Like, you're not talking about somebody that's the the pinnacle of, of poise and grace. You've got that, you know woman who's teaching dance with the cigarette hanging out of her mouth. Like I thought that, that that was sort of just, you know, just the way that, that they were depicting this town. Um, and then when the use of the word got like gratuitous, then I, I, it started to really bother me. And like, I was thinking about it and like, all right, if, cause you didn't need to use that word, right? Like if, if any, if anyone had said idiot moron, dummy mm-hmm. whatever right um it it would have been the same scene and if the only people that used that language were the unlikable characters like Kirstie Alley and Denise Richards right like if they're the only ones that Doe. what's that or John Doe oh right um yeah like if they're the only ones that like drop the r bomb then you know then you go okay like they're they're a wholly unlikable character and you know, that's the kind of language they used, but like Brittany Murphy was saying it and she mm-hmm. was, you know, like she was one of the heroic characters. She gives the, um, the costume in the end so that, um, she can compete. So, uh, yeah, as I, as I watched it more and more, I realized it was just the vernacular of the time and that became very troubling to me. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, in 1999, that there wasn't a word that was frowned upon. Like, people just used that word as a common insult on, like, network TV sitcoms. Like, it was just a thing. Right. And Brittany Murphy, I think her character almost fits into both. She was supposed to be, well, I think she was supposed to be the good guy. Like, she gives her costume at the end or whatever. She's, uh, she doesn't do anything that is, um, that is, uh mean or cruel hearted but at the same time i think throughout it they show that she is definitely a product of that town uh through like uh kind of like uh, when she's being interviewed in the beginning or whatnot she doesn't she doesn't appear to have a a worldly view uh 
I mean, I know she's the one who's going on and on about I went to New York or whatever, but like uh, she's definitely she's the person from this small town who can't see outside her bubble and then got this momentary experience outside in New York, and that's why it's impacting her so much. So the fact that she would use it, I think, again, just resonates back onto if if we were trying to defend it, uh, you know, they're showing us that this town is small-minded and kind of backwards. Uh, and she is very much a part of that town. Even though she's nice, she's a nice person that's a product of that town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I, uh, I, I promise this will be the last time I make light of this and then I move on. But, um, uh, you know, I, I sometimes, it, again, not that I would ever excuse the, the behavior, but, like, for people that are of our generation where when we were kids, like, you know, that was a, a common phrase in just like saying that's dumb or that's stupid, you know, like, yeah. Um, like people threw that around regularly. Sure. When I catch someone that's my age saying that now, if they, you know, if they try to correct their behavior, I kind of go, okay, like it's hard to unlearn the things that you've learned. Right. Um, like we have to have it, a little bit of patience. Um, took me and a there's long a to stop using that word. Yeah, there's a a colleague of mine that um that that does it sometimes, and then he catches himself and he's like, "I'm sorry, I meant this, right?" Um, but the the students I teach, I have never, you know, I've never heard uh anybody use that <laughs> language, right? Um, and there was one time. This was a couple years ago. This was in 2019, to be exact. Um, but me and my colleague and this one student of ours who was kind of like fast and loose, loudmouth kid. Um, like he was the, you know, he was the kid that always sort of told you what was what and wasn't afraid to kind of like be a dick in class. So I, I kind of did expect this reaction out of him, but my colleague, you know, we were talking about something that they wanted for the show. My colleague was like, you know, oh, that's stupid, but he dropped the R-bomb. He's like, oh, that's, you know, and, like, he kind of clocked it. He did that thing where he, like, hung his head, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I meant. And then the student, he's quiet for a second. He looks at him, and then he goes, dude, it's 2019, man. Come on. <laughs> and, like, I now think that that's the only acceptable response when somebody says that. You have to say, dude. You have to reiterate what the year is, and then you got to say, come on. <laughs> so. No, I, I think you stick with 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's 2019. Come on. No, I, I like that. <laughs> I'm gonna, definitely going to use that, because there are, there are people in my life who have used that around me relatively recently that I've you know given them side-eye to, and I think, uh, Dude, it's 2019. Come on. Yeah. It's going to be my new my new response. <laughs> well played. Uh, let's see. I was... I don't know why I laughed so hard at the John Doe joke. Like, that the guy that was clearly, like, a, a pedophile was named John Doe, D-O-U-G-H. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know why that struck me as so funny, because it's such a throwaway joke, but uh, that was, that was, that was pretty good. Uh, all the, the, all the murder and intrigue stuff, and how, like... She died in a giant, what was it, a giant goose or something? Uh, 
Oh, the the belly of a of a was the float at the end. I think they said the the belly of a wire mesh swan or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it the whole thing was so delightfully absurd. I really really enjoyed. Uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I liked all the the shots that they took it. Like all the 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 gun society like how much they were really 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 into their guns and then like how people die and they're just like okay with it cuz yeah people die and should get shot all the time and it was like wow this is some uh this is still a thing <laughs> we we've come absolutely nowhere since uh since this movie was made in 1999 but i i thought it was really smart i thought it was really fun and I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm really glad I watched it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was weird that I had never seen it. The, uh, so towards the end, like, uh, Denise Richards, I'm bad with character names and actresses' names and actors' names. Forget about it. I'm bad with names. So she says something about, I smell gasoline. And then the next thing you know, the, the, you know, Christy <laughs> Alley's character is lighting up the thing or whatever. And of course, we know where that goes. And when that happened, I was like, I started going back to it's Kristen Dunst is is the killer, right? I was thinking she was involved, and then that made me think it some more. And then she goes to the thing, and everybody gets sick after she doesn't eat the fish. And I'm like, or the clams, clams, oysters, uh, whatever it was. The seafood. Whatever, whatever the seafood was. mistake was, right? And I was like, it's definitely her now. And then they just didn't go anywhere with that. And I'm at the end, I was like, they want us to like her. But in my mind, I'm like, I think she did it. <laughs> I think she killed Denise Richards, and I think she poisoned all those other girls. It, Kirstie Alley. It seems like a lot of lucky coincidences for this girl. Kirstie Alley copped to the other murders. Like she, uh, you know, she she spills it when you know she's yelling at all them. Um, but it was it was confusing because. It looked Christy like didn't kill I mean her daughter. I had this right exactly. She didn't kill her daughter, but it looked like that wasn't an accident. You know what I mean? Like it looked like there was sabotage, and that you know the the fire was lit on purpose, or that at least gasoline was doused on the float on purpose. Um, and like I guess the movie wants us to you know, wants us to accept that that was an accident. And that was, that was one of the ones that clearly didn't seem like an accident. Right. And then the other thing I, I thought might happen towards the end there, once everyone got sick, the other girl that was at both was the, the neighbor who I loved. And I can't think of her name. The, 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 the neighbor, the neighbor was so good. Oh, Allison Janney. Oh yeah. Allison Janney. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Sure. The mom's friend from like two trailers down. Right. Mm-hmm. She was great. And she was there when the, duck blew up or swan or whatever it was and then she was also with Kristen Dunst at the other thing so maybe it was her and I wasn't sure like I, I kept I like we watched the credits because I thought there was going to be an after credit scene where we found out that it was either Kristen Dunst or her I, I don't know that's Sean that's a good <laughs> that's a good point and like maybe that was something that ended up on the the cutting room floor because um like it does kind of stick out it 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 makes me wonder how much other stuff from this movie ended up on the cutting room floor because like one of the things that I felt like I could have used a lot more of was the other contestants, like the other girls. Mm-hmm. 
um, in yeah. the beginning where they're going one by one and they're introducing you to all the characters, all the, all the contestants was like the funniest part. And some of that stuff, like they did circle back to in jokes, you know, like the, the, the stuff that was important about those characters, like the, you know, the sign language girl or the, the girl that, um, you know, was obsessed with dogs. Like then the jokes came back later because that had to do with their, you know, their routines for the show, um, where it wouldn't have been funny if they hadn't laid the, the groundwork first. But like, I don't know, I could have, I could have used a lot more bits of the movie that were like that beginning part that feature all of them. Um, and I think at some point they had to go, well, it's Kirsten Dunst's story. Like we have to zero in on Kirsten Dunst because it's her story. It was it to to a similar effect, um, Karen and I both thought as soon as the movie was over that everything that happened after the initial pageant seemed like extraneous. Like not that it was bad, but it didn't necessarily need to be there. Like I felt like the story was as over as it needed to be, like once the pageant was over or once the um the duck once, blew up? Yeah, once the duck blew up, that was kind of like, you could have stopped there, and you could have padded the rest of the movie with the stuff you're talking about that I also really enjoyed, more of those tertiary characters. Because um, while, you know, the, the whole, the fact that the, the thing got closed down because of tax fraud and whatnot, like, all that was, was good, but it did feel very tacked on at the end. Like, it just seemed to me like once, once Denise Richards was dead, the story was pretty much over, and, like, Christy Alley had gone to jail, like, okay, we wrapped this up, but now we're going somewhere else, but it's only for, like, 15 minutes or something, and then the movie's over. It, I don't know. It did feel tacked on, and, it, like, even though all of it was funny, um, but the one thing I will say for it is I really, really like the bit how Kirstie Alley uh, escapes from jail and goes on that shooting rampage, and that it, <laughs> it results in her picking up the microphone and sort of getting that news break, you know, like her idol, Diane Sawyer. Um, because uh -huh, I, yeah. I liked that, that in Kirstie Alley's, um, you know, crusade to destroy everyone else and make her daughter the, the crowning winner that she inadvertently, you know, skyrockets the likable character to, the place she wants to be career wise. Like I thought that yeah. was a funny bit. Um, but uh, I don't know. You, you probably could have gotten there without some of the other stuff. Agreed. Yeah. I think you're a hundred percent right that that, that was really clever, but I would have liked them to, to get there without going that other route. And it was weird. Cause or I said in the beginning, the one thing I remembered from watching this movie when it first came out was the, the whole like barfing thing. And that was kind of like one of my least favorite jokes in the movie by the time it got there. I was like, yeah, that's kind of funny. But <laughs> I remember thinking that was hilarious. But now I thought other, most of the other stuff in the movie was way funnier. Yeah, I, want, I wanted more from the neighbor. I wanted more with the contestants, the Molly contestant. I thought they could have done more there. And I think you're right. I bet you the cutting room floor was full of, uh, of good little bits. And they were like, well, I, and someone foolish uh, was like, we need to focus on our main character but i i don't know when you're doing a comedy especially this type of kind of uh not completely absurdist but pretty absurd type of comedy with you know i mean this tractor's blowing up and ducks blowing up and people are getting killed left and right and the cops don't care i was fairly absurdist i i think you can just kind of i don't know 
you need a real loose hold at best on your main character and the main storyline. As long as you keep hitting me with funny, I'm going to go along with you. Well, you know what was another thing that um, a thought I had while I was watching this was, and, and again, like it shocked me that this was 1999 because I, I really thought that this movie was made at least four or five years before that. But, um, but you know, we had seen other uh, docu- like mockumentary-style movies in the 90s. Like, that was a, you know, I guess the Christopher Guest movies are more of a, an improv thing, where this one was highly scripted. Um, but, you know, it was, a, it was a go-to thing for, like, small independent movies of the 90s. But if this idea had, if someone had come up with this idea five to six years later, this would have totally been a TV show and not a movie. Like, it's a great idea, you know, a documentary crew, you know, following this small town beauty contest. But like, just looking at where sitcoms went in the mid 2000s, like this idea would have been gold for a a sitcom show. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I think you would have had enough to work with between following five or six different characters. I mean, I don't know if you're getting 10 season like The Office or, or Parks and Rec or anything, but like, like we said, there, there was a lot more, there was a lot more low-hanging fruit to be, uh, comedy fruit to be wrangled out of those, uh, those characters that they, they set up. And then, then uh, there was a little payoff for each one at the end, but they could have gotten more. Yeah. I liked that the, the girl that was obsessed with sign language was, was happy with her injury because she became deaf. <laughs> I they mean, all congratulating her on that. I had to chuckle at her a little bit just because I've I've worked with um, deaf people and had to, you know, I had to learn a little bit of sign language to be able to communicate. And like what she was doing was not sign language. <laughs> like, like sign language is a completely different language with a completely different sentence structure. And like. What she was doing was signing English, um, and then when she didn't know a word, she would like fingerspell it, which like slowed down everything that she was saying. Which was funny to me because that's how I used to communicate too. Like, um, I tried to literally uh, sign every word that I was saying, and then when I didn't know a word, I would spell it out. But like, it, you just watch it and you see how bad and awful it was. <laughs> I, that's, that's kind of awesome to hear. It sounds like it was, that sounds intentional to me. Like the fact that it's done like that. I wonder how intentional that was to have that be a joke just for people who, who got sign language. Yeah. I mean, that joke, unfortunately was probably lost on a lot of people, but, um, but yes, I think her execution of, uh, being nowhere near proficient at sign language was very funny. Well, I don't know about you guys. I don't have a whole lot more to say about this movie. Uh, anything else we need to touch on? The hats were genius. I mean, <laughs> I mean, really, just every one of them. <laughs> Glorious. I didn't really understand this challenge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was. And she great. said that, and she was my favorite hat—the largest ball of twine in Minnesota. Come on, that's a great hat. Pay money for that hat. Get out of here. Yeah, I thought all the bits in the um actual contest, you know, actual contest were really funny. That thing and the um 
the ladders, you know, the step ladders with the paint all over them. <laughs> um, there was a the, the whole competition was just comic gold, I thought. Agreed. What was the deal? I kept waiting for a payoff on the third judge. That that lady. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was somebody. Uh, well, I mean, she was the guy's, like, assistant at the furniture yeah. store or whatever. But she was a famous actress. Jacqueline knew who she was. Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't know that she was a famous actress. Yeah, but I, I figured the fact that she was just, like... I thought she was going to somehow be getting revenge on... Like, it wouldn't have surprised... I thought it would have been a really fun twist if she was the one who set the, 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 the dove on... The, the, the goose on fire, whatever, was swan at the end. Like, I kept waiting for some kind of payoff for that character, and there was nothing. She was just quiet. That's why I'm saying... That was weird. That's why I'm saying, like, I feel like there was... I, I feel like there was probably so much more story to this that was... That had to get edited out. Because um, you're right. That character didn't have a payoff, right? Like with the three judges, um, the, the John Doe guy, you know, the, the comedy was built into that because he's, he's there to watch young girls. Um, and you know, we already talked about some of the problematic humor with the, the two brothers, but like, uh, problematic though it was like having, you know, having these sort of like dumb idiot guys uh, judging this beauty competition is, um, you know, was like an obvious way to go. But with her, with the third judge, there, yeah, there wasn't any payoff. Um, and then, like, I-, I kept thinking that when they actually crowned Denise Richards the the winner, that there was going to be some twist or whatever because like i guess you as the audience want kirsten dunst to win so like you're waiting for the payoff mm-hmm. to happen there and the fact that the the will sasso character kind of spells it out for everybody that he's like i know who the winner's going to be and then everybody's like shut up shut up and then the rest of the competition plays out that way that you know kirsty alley gets what she wants um I wondered if there was like sort of an alternate ending for the the competition, like, um, you know, if if everything that came after it was just them trying to come up with a good end of the movie because maybe the way they ended the competition was problematic for some different way. You know what I mean? Hmm. It also kind of makes you wonder, like, um, I'm sure Michael Patrick Jan wasn't. I mean, he wasn't really a name at this point. Not that he ever really became, like, a name, but still, he hadn't done a whole lot. So I wonder how much, like, studio interference there was in this. Like, how many times they went back and said, somebody else had to restructure this. I'm watching the trailer right now. I wanted to see if, uh, you know, what kind of stuff was in the trailer that didn't wind up in the movie, like you were saying. Well, that's why I wanted to know if you ended up watching a different version, because, you know, with all of our conversation about the the problematic r bombs i'm pretty sure in the cut that i watched that blonde woman that's kirstie alley's assistant says something about mm-hmm. what kind of you know what kind of you know what paints paints scenery before a competition or something like that and in that trailer yeah, i watched that, that line was in she says what kind of moron paints 
something before, you know, so I, I was kind of like, oh, like, was there, was there changes made in the response to where we are now as a society? Or, um, you know, was that just a cleaned up trailer? You know what I mean? I'm assuming it was a cleaned up trailer because that line was definitely in the movie that I saw. I mean, I think mine was just the theatrical version. Oh. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not seeing uh, much in the way of scenes here that weren't in the movie. One thing we haven't talked about was uh, the uh, uh, Denise Richards' performance in the in the show. Oh, my God. With Where she was dancing with Jesus on the cross. Oh. How did we let that go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was amazing. I mean, it was horrid, but I mean, that was the point. That right. was my goodness. That was, <laughs> that was really something special. I don't know what else to say about yeah, it. Yeah, that was just. Uh, gosh. I thought for sure that that was going to be like the thing that officially tanked it for her. Like, all right, there's no way we can let her win because the whole audience hated it too. Like, in the show, so I was I was sure that's where they were going to take it, where they were going to find some way that she just she just couldn't win with that performance. But then they uh, then they did it anyway. So who knows? You know, I I assume the town didn't care for it because she wasn't singing well. <laughs> I didn't get the impression they were offended at this. I was like, this seems about right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. <laughs> they, they, they were they were. I'm sure they were all fine with the the dancing, dancing with, with Jesus, Jesus on, on the, the cross, cross, and they were <laughs> upset with her singing. I, you know, but we as the audience were supposed to look at that and be like, wow, <laughs> this is something else. This is wild. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm all, I'm all wrapped up on this. You, Paul, you got anything else? Do you want to hear a story that's only tangentially related to this movie? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I've told a lot of stories tonight about like meeting celebrities. So, uh, this, uh, I guess this is relevant in that it's tangentially related to celebrities and also um, to the state. Uh, but a couple years ago, this must have been, oh God, this, I mean, this, uh, when, I guess when I say a couple years ago, I mean like 15 or 16 years ago. It was probably like 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. Um, the theater that I was working at had, film capabilities and um two times a year we would rent space to the philadelphia film festival like whatever show we were doing we would push back we'd fly in a movie screen and you know that we could have world premiere movies there which was awesome because it was like a you know a nice theater in downtown philly um and yeah don't tell me how we had so much trouble staying in business because like there was four times a year we didn't have to worry about programming. Like there was, there was an opera company that did two operas with us. And then there was a, you know, a, a film, um, a film society that did like two film festivals with us. So like that should have been just gravy income. But anyway, um, we were supposed to get a certain amount of comps to the movies. Um, and like, I was the only one that used them. Uh, and, to be fair, I didn't really like formally use them. I would just leave my desk when it was time to watch the movie and I would wander up to the theater and watch the movie. Um, but there was one festival where uh, 
David Wayne from the state had a movie in it. Um, the movie was called The Ten. Have either of you seen this movie? Mm-mm. No. It's pretty funny if you can find it. It's um, in I think in the in the tradition of like the state style, it's all sort of sketch comedy, um, but it's about the Ten Commandments. So like for each of the Ten Commandments, there is a like comic sketch. Um, and it's got like huge actors in it. It's got like Oliver Platt and Gretchen Maul and Paul Rudd and Liv Schreiber. Like I remember the one about, um, coveting your neighbor's, you know, coveting your neighbor's property or whatever was Joe Latrulio and Liv Schreiber. And they're trying to outdo each other as neighbors by buying more, uh, MRI machines than the other guy. (laughs) (laughs) and then like the hospital has this problem where like all these orphans are diagnosed with this rare disease and they're like if only we could find somebody with 50 mri machines (laughs) and they you know end up at these guys houses or whatever um but totally weird movie totally funny um watch the movie then like left down left out of the theater to back down to go to my desk um and in the green room, there is sitting uh, David Wayne and Paul Rudd. And, like, I walk past there and I say to Sherry, like, oh, my God, that's Paul Rudd in there and David Wayne. And she's like, all right, well, you know, like, go say hi. And, like, I poke my head and I'm like, I'm like, hey, uh, you know, hey, guys, I'm just going to, like, just going to be a dick and take advantage of the fa- fact that I work here. And I'm going to, you know, tell you how great the movie was and, like. Paul Rudd's like, oh yeah, you're being a total dick because you're telling us how great the movie is. He's like, right, <laughs> right on, man. Like, what was your favorite part? You know, and then like we start talking about stuff I liked about the movie, and so you know we talked for a minute or two, and then I was like, all right, it was really good meeting you guys. I'll see you, you know. And like, Paul Rudd kind of had this look on his face, like he was expecting me to like stay and hang out, and like I was like so weirded out and intimidated that I was like, all right, you know, let's go. And so then we're like leaving for the night, and I was like wasn't that cool that we got to meet David Wayne and Paul Rudd? And Sherry's like, yeah, like we should have stayed and talked longer. Like he wanted you to hang out and talk longer. And I was like, yeah, it did feel that way. But I was like, I was intimidated by the fact that it was Paul Rudd. She was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, okay, now whenever we see a movie with Paul Rudd in it, this comes up and I can never live it down. Like for the rest of my days, I am like, I am the like guy that couldn't take the social cue that like Paul Rudd wanted to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I got for you. <laughs> well, I can't top that. No, nope, nope, I got nothing. <laughs> that's all right. Then uh, I guess that's going to wrap it up for this. It's now time for us to pick what movie we're going to do next. Oh my so god! We just did the letter. D- oh my god! I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for the letter E. <laughs> all right. We just did D. We're on to E. Uh, Paul, I guess you go first. What's What's your pick for the letter E? Man. Okay. I've been I've been thinking about this since the beginning. Like since we started this and we came up with this idea <laughs> of going letter by letter. I didn't know what I was going to do for B or C or D, but I was like, I know what E is going to be. Um, and it, it's, it's 
you know, again, I've had this idea that sometimes I'm going to try to propose something I've never seen that's, uh, you know, a notable thing or whatever. Um, this is this is something I've seen plenty of times. Um, I just really think it's going to be an experience to break it apart with you guys. Like, this is something that I would look forward to and love to do. Um, so, I I wouldn't say it's a I wouldn't say it's a movie I watch all the time. I definitely take it down off the shelf once every year or so. Uh, I still quote this movie a lot. Um, I think it's an entertaining movie, but more than that, it's like there's so many decisions that went into this movie that I just have to squint at and be like, what? Like, why? Um, So my pick is going to be the mid-90s Brendan Fraser, Sean Astin, Pauly Shore movie. I knew it. it. Encino Man. (laughs) I knew it. As soon as you started talking about it, that he's going to pick that one. I knew it. I just think it would be a hoot to to dissect that that with you. Was that your pick, too? (laughs) No, that was not my pick. (laughs) Um... Well, I guess I got to choose one of my backups because that was my pick. Unbelievable. Uh, oh my God. That was, <laughs> that was, that was definitely my number one pick. It wasn't even, it wasn't even like I, I had one or two backups ready. I've got like three movies and like this is my main one. And if the, you know, if somebody picks this, which wasn't going to happen, I was like, <laughs> I got one or two other ones we can go with. I got to guess as to what yours is. But, um, all right. So I'm going to go ahead and go with a, I was, I was actually thinking of one of my backups being Electra. Because I've never seen it. <laughs> but I don't know that I want to, so... It was I'm, better than Daredevil. But not better than Daredevil Director's Cut. But not better than Daredevil's Director's Cut, if that gives you an idea. I mean, so, like, I don't know, it's not, I mean... It's not a masterpiece. No, no. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say, I've never seen Enter the Dragon. Oh. Oh, shit. Never seen it, so <laughs> that's my pick. It's a good pick. Well, I've seen both of those, and I went somewhere way weirder than the, either of those. I have a guess for what you... I'm going to message Paul what my guess for Sean okay. is. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Chris a second to message you. I am... Uh, where's glee- my text for just Gleefully Paul? anticipating my phone to light up with what this pick will be. You, you picked me right out of the hat last time, so maybe I'm just more predictable than I, I think. Oh, this is funny, because so, this is what Chris texted me was, I was considering this. Okay, let's see what you say. Okay. And, like, I try to think, what's predictable from Sean? My, <laughs> my backup backup was Evil Dead. If you put Evil Dead, that was no. my backup backup. We've all seen that. Yeah. It's a great movie. You know, I could use to rewatch it. Who couldn't? No. Escape from the Planet of the Apes? Escape oh, from the Planet God. of the Apes? No, that was not my choice. That was not your choice? No. Uh, was it Earth versus the Flying Saucers? Because that was my backup. No, it was Ed Wood. Oh, oh, I assumed, yeah. No, I love Ed Wood. <laughs> I do. That's a great movie. I just assumed you guys are both. You're, you're, uh, Paul's like a film guy. I assume you guys watch that. I've thousands. never seen it. What? <laughs> you talked about it a whole lot. And I never got around to watching it back in the old well, days. I've never seen that I've one. I've got that one on D. Unbelievable. I've got that on DVD, too, if uh, we end up having a problem again. <laughs> <laughs> so I drive all the way out there and see that one. Ed Wood is so good. I can't. I just assumed you guys had seen it, and I was. That was like. That's like me suggesting Evil Dead. I was like, they've seen Evil Dead a hundred times. Like we all have. I don't know. Like, and then I was like, Escape from the Planet of the Apes. 
when I would get sick, like, well, Man, when I would stay Planet home from Apes. school sick when I was a kid, that was Planet of the Apes Day. You would watch all five of the original Planet <laughs> of the Apes movies in order, and that was what you did when you were sick and you stayed home from school. And the third one, Escape from the Planet third of the Apes, one, right. is uh, it's a real transition piece. The first one is my favorite sci-fi movie of all time. It's a great sci-fi it's movie. Great. If you haven't watched it, it's wonderful. I used to own that box set that had all the Planet of the Apes movies. Oh, so you've seen it. them all. Yeah, I've seen, yeah, I've oh, seen them all. The I've only one, seen that one like once or twice, though. It's like, that weird transition, kind of fun, 60, late 60s, mm-hmm, early 70s mm-hmm. one. It's weird. It's weird. All right. Well. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think Chris did a pretty good prediction here in that, like, Ed Wood encompasses the style of everything that Sean loves about movies. So, like, <laughs> like maybe he wasn't all that wrong by guessing that. Um no, it's if I didn't, if I had known Chris hadn't seen that, that would have a hundred percent. I would have been like, no, we're doing this. I'd like, I'm trying to bring something to the table that at least one of you hasn't seen. You know, like if I haven't seen it, great. But like if we've all seen it before, I'm like, ah, it's kind of. And I just assumed, how do you not watch that, Tom? What? What? I, there's a lot of stuff I haven't seen. I didn't see Back to the Future until I was like in my twenties. Oh my so, god! I'm I missed a ton of stuff. But it's but it's Ed Wood. I think Bill Murray. Come on. I think Back to the Future is the best movie ever written. Written or like you mean like when are you saying the word written because you mean written or you saying I think it is the best movie script ever. Like and and I think I think part of why it's so good and I have no proof as to this. It's just my assumption. But like I think because they probably did a lot of stuff twice, right? Like they. Then they start making the movie with with Scott Woltz, and then they were like, "This is not working out." And then they cast, you know, uh, not Scott Woltzen. Um, yeah, it was somebody else. I just watched that freaking movies that made us thing about it. It's not Scott Woltzen. It's uh, the guy who was in Pulp Fiction and played the drug dealer. And what's his uh, name? Eric, Eric Stoltz. Stoltz. Thank you. Oh, I'm I'm right. So then they, thinking of somebody like ten years later. Um, but yes, they they cast Eric Stoltz, and then they. Uh, they were like they always wanted uh Michael J Fox and then you know Right. So then they did get to reshoot a lot of scenes that probably does right. help. But um no, I just think I think it's a masterclass in writing like that the the scene where he's telling Doc about how he had the dream, you know, like the, he is from the future. And like, I know how you got that bruise on your head that you, you know, fell and blah, 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 and the flux capacitor and whatever. And that they get to that whole part about, you know, well, how do we, how do we jumpstart this car without plutonium? If only we had lightning and he's holding the flyer in his hand, like while they're saying the thing, I mean, it's just, like there is not a movie scene in history that like spells out the plot of the movie so brilliantly and concisely and perfectly. Like I, I just I I think that that movie is like a, a masterclass on writing. It's like I, I think it's the the best movie ever written. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever sat down and thought about the best movie ever written. When, when you say best movie, the two movies that always jump in my head, and they're not my favorite movie. My favorite movie is Big Trouble Little China, but I'm not going to sit here and say that's the best movie ever made. That's my favorite movie. <laughs> The uh, when I think of like what's the best movie I've ever seen that's just like they did everything right, I usually go with either Jaws or Shawshank Redemption. I feel like those two movies, if they're on, I can just sit and watch them, and I'm like, there's I have nothing to nitpick. 
oh, on either of these movies. That's so funny because Jaws is really a product of the, uh, you know, the difficulties that they had. You know what I mean? Like the the animatronic shark failing and them having to insert music and other things at certain places in place of the shark is the thing that that sort of makes it so iconic and and you know fun and sort of well pieced together but like it's they- so it's it and it's every genre it's it's a buddy film it's an adventure it's a horror it's a it's just it's it's action it's it's so well it's so well constructed i can't understand like again i big trouble little china makes me the happiest but i can understand why someone wouldn't like it i can't understand how someone could watch shawshank or jaws and not be like well that was a great movie it's like no those are those movies just nailed it start to finish i also i could have get, get some shit for this but i've never seen jaws and uh, i've never seen big trouble little china <laughs> i we might have to go we might have to go <laughs> off script with these letter things just to to what are you doing? compensate for you chris a little bit killing me you're killing me. I'm sorry. Like you're killing me personally with the big trouble little China. And how do you just not see Jaws? I think we. I th- well, I was uh, Jaws. I can explain Jaws. I was a super squeamish kid. I was terrified to see anything related to horror movies. So it was actually the first horror movie so that I ever. Explains act- the first 15 years. I'll give you a pass. You're 40. <laughs> what happened in the next 25 years? It just never got around to it. Like I think we have a responsibility now things. when we get to the letter J. <laughs> Jay, well, Jay I feel is pretty dealt confident Jay, Jay, is, Jay, is, Jay, yeah. is, Jay is Jaws, Jaws now. Just like I've never seen a Rocky movie. I've never seen any Rocky movies. Not one first, of them. I, The first one's amazing. It's a great movie. I've never seen Rocky. I've never seen Rambo. Uh, never seen any the of the Jaws Rambo's movies. Movie. Uh, that's what I hear. Uh, but Bigger Trouble Little China, I've always wanted to see it, and I just never got around to seeing it. And I think every time you guys watched it while growing up, I just wasn't around. <laughs> So and, and and here I am suggesting baby as my B. I know, right? Baby, son of a bitch. So when we get to we'll, S for we'll Stallone, we just have to make Chris watch all the <laughs> all the Rambo, Rocky, everything. Well, we do get to R first, so I mean, we can solve one of those. I'd say Rocky is better than Rambo. Well, but... isn't the first one just called First Blood? Oh, yeah. That's on F. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. Well, you know, we'll see what happens when we get there. I don't Maybe there's more important stuff out there. I have seen Shawshank, though. Shawshank is an amazing movie. I've seen, amazing. That, Wait, seen that a lot of times. Can time. I say something before we, like, move on from Jaws? Sure. Every, every, like, I can't tell you how many horror movies or, or monster movies or whatever you want to call them. Let's call them, like, monster thriller movies or whatever that I have seen now that literally follow the template of Jaws in that I sit there and I pick out who's Richard Dreyfuss, who's Robert Shaw, and who's Roy Scheider. Like, Sean, when I was watching Chud, I was like, okay, so she's Dreyfuss and Daniel Stern is uh, is Robert Shaw and uh, the Home Alone dad is uh, Daniel Stern is, is obviously Scheider. Robert Shaw. Right. Like, right, yeah. Clearly. Like literally, there there are so many movies where you could pick out who is the template of which character from Jaws, right? Yeah, because it's that good a movie. Yep. I mean, it's 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 a, in my opinion, it's a perfect movie. Like they just they did everything right. It's a classic for a reason, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of those I haven't seen. Never seen Citizen Kane. Yeah, 
Eh. I feel like a bunch of people my age have never seen Citizen Kane. Mr. P showed it to us. It's. I mean, it's, I can uh, tell. I, I, it's I, fine. I, I know why it's a notable movie, but, you know, it's one of those things that's so, so old that you, you have a hard time getting into it for that reason. The, the problem... The problem with a lot of those classics is that they're classics because it's the, the person did something revolutionary. And so like a lot of the things that were done for the first time in that movie have been done in a lot of movies since. And it's like, well, yeah, that was groundbreaking in the, in the way he filmed things and this and that and the other thing. But it's like people have done, taken what he did and done it better since then in a more mm-hmm. uh, digestible or uh, more entertaining fashion. Like, you know, like, I don't know. Um, there's lots of things that like, you know, whoever did it first deserves notoriety for it. It doesn't mean that they've still done it the best. Like people have stolen their crap and, and polished it up. So I don't know. Some of those classics. That's what making movies is all about. Enjoyable to watch. Yeah. 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 Nothing wrong with that. All right. So what are we watching? What's our pick for the letter E? Okay. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Listen, 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 listen. Uh, I think we've been going about this wrong a little bit um uh i'm trying to not skew how this goes but at the same time i feel like i need to point out that um i I don't think it matters what order we tell our picks in like i think when we're proposing our picks we can go in any order but i think when we vote we have to start we have to start making a system to it because um for the most part, it comes down to the last person voting, making the decision. And Chris has never picked last. Like, that's why we keep end up doing my movies and Chris's movies because Chris hasn't picked last yet. I mean, it's also because Sean is proposing movies like baby dinosaur, but, um, (laughs) Baby Adventures in the Lost. I don't even remember. <laughs> but it, wait, what was Chris's suggestion for tonight? Enter the Dragon. Oh, Enter, Enter the, the dragon. dragon. I have seen it. It's a great movie. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm I am totally happy with any of those picks. Like I would, Encino Man was gonna be my pick. Um, uh, I love uh, to see vote, Enter the I'll Dragon. I'll vote first. Does that help? I don't. I don't know if I'm solving Paul's issue. What's wh- how? What do you want us to do now? <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know if Sean or I should go first, but Chris has to go last, I think. Uh, I'm going to vote for Encino, man, because Paul was worked up about it, and Chris was going to pick it anyway. (laughs) And now that I know you've both seen Escape from the Planet of the Apes, I'm less interested in that movie. (laughs) Uh, Well, then I guess I'm forcing our hand, because I, I think I would rather pick Enter the Dragon over... Escape from the Planet of the Apes. And I would rather pick Encino Man, because that was going to be my pick to begin with, so that all works out. I Also, I think, Paul, you're incredibly correct. I think, because I haven't seen this in a long time, Brendan Fraser's been in the news a bunch lately, I have no idea how this movie's going to hold up in, uh, under, under modern scrutiny. Brendan like, Fraser's been in the news? Yeah, he's just getting, uh, he's getting a bunch of uh, roles lately. Okay, I was going to say, I just said to my little sister, uh, like, I, I say just, it was during pandemic, but time has lost all meaning. It could have been like three months ago. Uh, I was just saying there the other day, I was like, me and Jacqueline just watched, uh, uh, now I've forgotten the name of it. Doom Patrol? He's in Doom Patrol. 
Thank you. Doom Patrol. And she was like, is it good? I was like, are you ready to fall in love with Brendan Fraser again? <laughs> that was that was exactly what I said to her, because he's great in it. He's fin- like, he's he's my favorite character in it, and he's just wonderful. Uh, has he ever not been wonderful in something? I, but I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah. Well, he, he disappeared for a long time, and he's like all, you know... He's not all beefcake anymore. He's no, he's heavy. Yeah, he's, he's heavy. He, he's he's put on some weight, but he's getting a bunch of roles again. And he was just in the news because there was a some sort of video call he was supposed to do, and he like didn't realize the camera was running, so he was just playing Nintendo Switch in front of the camera for like five minutes before the interview started, and it was all online and whatnot. Uh, and Brendan Fraser is wonderful, and you know it's a Pauly Shore movie. <laughs> Man. Uh- don't get me started, because I could I could just launch into this now, and I I want us to make sure we have stuff to talk about in uh, a month. But um, yeah, yeah. Oh, so uh, man, there's we'll we'll, we'll we'll all watch and see. So man. much to unpack about that movie. <laughs> I'm very excited, and 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 uh, Sean Astin as well. That that guy's had quite a career. Sure. sure. All right. Well, there we go. Encino Man's your homework, everybody, uh, and that's going to be our show. As a reminder, uh, nothing that that. That sentence doesn't make any sense. I'm going to erase it from my script. And erase it from the recording, because I'm in charge. A theater near you is part of the Geekade Podcast Network, and if you'd like to get in touch with us to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. We can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geekade Discord server, all of which can be found in our show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time in a theater near you. Peace out. Bye! Suddenly make it all seem worthwhile. One or two girls, and you should know it. With these plans and every man.